Welcome to the Association of Schools Advancing Health Professions, a leading source for interprofessional collaboration to improve health. Useful insights about publishing in this organization's Journal of Allied Health can be found in a top podcast series featuring episodes narrated by its editor, Dr. Thomas Elwood. Listeners not only will obtain valuable information about transformational developments in the wider world of journal publications, but also views on peer review and reasons why manuscripts either are accepted or rejected. So listen, learn, and enjoy. Welcome to a series of podcasts based on editorials that were published between 2008 and 2020 in the Journal of Allied Health. These items are a companion piece to a book in both print and ebook formats that is entitled From Fish to Philosopher. The editorials represent an effort to convey how the journal continues to evolve from one quarterly issue to the next by reflecting changing sets of circumstances during that time period. The intended audience consists of prospective authors who consider submitting manuscripts to the Journal of Allied Health. They will have an opportunity to learn about some inner workings of this publication. A second group comprises readers and listeners with a broad interest in the universe of professional periodicals who may benefit by learning more about various topics such as open access, impact factors, gender-related issues, predatory journals, and replicability. Episode 5, Fall 2009 Issue, Time and the River. Duvenons-nous, que sommes-nous, ou allons-nous, is inscribed on an oil painting by Paul Gauguin, lived from 1848 to 1903, that represents a prized acquisition of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Translated into English from French, the inscription reads, Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? These questions may well be asked in the context of reflecting on the Journal of Allied Health. Gauguin's painting contains a river, which may be likened to a periodical in many symbolic ways. Just as water flows across time and space, Ideas in the form of cascading words glide across the decades of a journal's lifespan. Depending on the season, the current may be rapid and voluminous, while at other times only trickles may appear. Bends in the river occur. Intellectual eddies and whirlpools come into existence, and separate tributaries may be spawned as evidenced by the Nature Publishing Group, which is responsible for the production of several related periodicals in the biological sciences. Nobel laureate William Faulkner, who lived between 1897 and 1962, once noted, the past is not dead. In fact, it's not even past. Extending this observation to the Journal of Allied Health generated a desire on the part of this editor to examine what has transpired since the first issue appeared in November 1972. Part of the analysis stems from linguistic theory as explained by Professor Seth Lehrer of Stanford University. According to him, Geoffrey Chaucer, who lived between 1343 and 1400, was among the first to explore the mutability of the English language, both diachronically, across time, and synchronically, across space. In the poem Troilus and Cressida, Chaucer argued that languages change meaning over time. 
words that once had meaning now seem odd and strange. Similarly, the term polysemy refers to the multiple meanings or connotations of words. Some words can take on new meanings, and sometimes these are figurative meanings. Examples of such phenomena can be found in some earlier issues of the journal. Terms such as paraprofessional and paramedical that appeared in the first issue still may be used in some circles to characterize allied health professionals. But within various disciplines that come under the rubric of allied health, these labels are viewed with disfavor. The term health manpower also was in vogue when the journal first was launched. Given the fact that most nurses back then were female, along with predominantly female occupations such as dental hygienist, in hindsight, manpower would appear to have been an inappropriate descriptor. Within the public health service, the Bureau of Health Manpower eventually became the Bureau of Health Professions in the 1980s. As late as fall 1990, however, manpower was a word that continued to appear in the journal. Since 1972, new generations of allied health administrators, educators, and researchers have assumed their respective roles and submitted manuscripts to the journal. What, if anything, has changed between then and now? In the more than 1,000 articles and papers that have appeared in the journal from the time of its inception, is the past dead, or is there a transmigration of notions and ideas that continue to have relevance in 2009? Core curriculum was a topic that occupied the entire summer 1973 issue. A close relative is core competencies, which still was being discussed in the summer issue 33 years later. In fall 1973, an article about an interdisciplinary approach to the education of health profession students became the first of many submissions on this topic that have been published until the present time. Canadian writers prefer the term interprofessional. It's not always clear if individuals who prepared these articles have the same concept in mind. But if so, in the battle of ideas, interprofessional gradually is becoming more ubiquitous. By November 1984, the production of multi-competent allied health professionals was under consideration as reflected in an article. By spring 1992, the term may have morphed into multi-skilled, which may have meant something the same or somewhat similar. Again, it is not always clear what the various authors had in mind. The term multi-skilled managed to survive as the basis for an article published in the winter 2005 issue. Little has appeared in the journal on the topic since then. Does this omission reflect an idea whose time has passed? or is it a manifestation of other more relevant concepts that have superseded it in the minds of educators? Readers are asked to forgive this temporary digression, but keeping in mind the image of a river and its many variegated patterns as it makes its way to the sea, the aforementioned temporal references are distinguished by whether a given issue is characterized by a month in the year or by one of four seasons. Who made these decisions, and why, are not clear. When the textile industry was in full bloom in the 1950s, it was possible to stand along the banks of the Merrimack River in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and witness the color of the water changing by the hour, depending on the dyes and the nature of the effluent being emptied into it from giant mills. 
From November 1972 to the same month in 1981, the color of the cover of the journal changed annually. The format then underwent an alteration in 1982 when each issue became smaller in size, along lines of the Reader's Digest. Once again, a color change occurred each year until the end of 1996. The switch to a new publisher that year resulted in a format that is the same found in the present-day issue. Back then, the color was light orange, but it was discontinued two years later and replaced by what appears today. Concerns about the special needs and recruitment of minority students were delineated in a paper that was published in winter 1974. That same issue also had an article on accreditation. Both topics continued to be addressed in subsequent years, with the latter often being viewed in heated terms. Accreditation as an area of discussion led to some point-counterpoint papers in 1989 and 1990. The same was true regarding the benefits of an allied health profession's admissions test for upper division students. This device was administered nationally beginning in 1974 but its use was discontinued by The Ohio State University as reported in the fall 1977 issue. The reason the test was rejected is that it was judged as adding little to the information obtained from ACT scores and grade point averages. The early days of the journal were marked by some soul-searching, which should come as no surprise since ASAHP was founded in 1967. Among the more incisive pieces during the journal's adolescence were articles by ASAHP past presidents. The list includes Darrell J. Mace, who wrote a paper in the winter 1978 issue entitled A Look at Ourselves. Other leaders who expressed their thoughts in writing were J. Warren Perry, founder of the journal, Joseph Hamburg, Raymond C. Bard, J. Rhodes Haverty, Thomas C. Barker, and Ralph H. Boatman. To cite one example, an article entitled Ten Years Later was published in spring 1977 by President Boatman. Any reader who today bemoans the lack of federal support for allied health in comparison to professions such as nursing should recognize how trenchant this particular observation was. He wrote, I believe that the allied health professions should speak as one voice on common issues if they are to influence decisions which affect them individually and collectively. Outsiders also were invited to submit their learned views and observations. Commentaries by distinguished non-members of ASAHP, such as Robert E. Kinsinger, Vice President of the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, who in February 1973 expounded on, what this country doesn't need is a left carotid technician or a career-based response to the new careers. Edmund D. Pellegrino, a former chancellor and university president, who today is considered one of the nation's foremost ethicists, wrote, Allied Health Concept, Fact or Fiction, in the spring 1974 issue. Other articles were contributed by Merlin K. Duval, Assistant Secretary for Health and Scientific Affairs at the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare in November 1972. Malcolm Todd, President-elect of the American Medical Association in spring 1974. 
C. Arden Miller, president of the American Public Health Association, in winter 1975, and Robert Butler, director of the National Institute on Aging, in August 1980. Beginning with the spring 1975 issue, which contained an article on allied health education and practice in the former USSR and the People's Republic of China, the journal has included manuscripts on developments in other nations. Today's editorial board composition also is an indication of a global outlook. New editions include representatives from Vietnam, Portugal, Georgia, United Kingdom, and the World Bank. Topics that were relevant in the early years of the journal continue to be so in the 21st century. Examples are cost-benefit analysis of clinical education, constructing the cost of health professions education, barriers to allied health research, research productivity of faculty, promotion and tenure, and clinical doctorates. Issues in later and more recent years have displayed a marked interest in topics of a more psychological nature. Examples of papers published or submitted for publication are job satisfaction, work exhaustion, stress, burnout, and comfort level treating patients of different sexual orientations or being in clinical situations with sexual connotations. Over the years, entire issues have been devoted to single topics such as core curriculum, continuing education, collective bargaining, values and ethics, health promotion, disease prevention, gerontology, independent practice, and outcomes assessment. More than a decade has passed since the last issue of this kind was produced. A question is whether an effort should be made to devote future issues to single topics. Another way in which the journal has evolved over time is in the production of articles that focus on a specific profession. In the February 1985 issue, it was noted that more than 50% of the manuscripts submitted were rejected, many because they were too discipline-specific. A question worth pondering is whether upcoming issues should place more emphasis on broader themes that cut across the professions at the expense of being less discipline-oriented. Thank you for joining us. You can learn more about the Association of Schools Advancing Health Professions at ASAHP.org.